Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaron. And today, we are going to be getting into the Mavericks' two losses over this little back-to-back stretch. Their last back-to-back of the season. They only have three games remaining now. This was essentially the proverbial nail in the coffin for the Mavericks as they lost 129-122 to to the Atlanta Hawks. In the following game, or no, scratch that, to the Miami Heat. Then the following game, they lost 132-130 to in overtime versus the Atlanta Hawks. And when I call that the proverbial nail in the coffin, simply because at this juncture with the Mavericks only having three games left, they are poised to not even make the play-in at this point. They're a game out of the 10th spot in the Western Conference to make the play-in tournament, pending on this result of how OKC plays tonight. They're currently up a little bit versus the Warriors. I think an OKC win, putting the Thunder a game and a half ahead of the Mavericks essentially seals the deal, or if the Mavericks lose tomorrow versus the Kings. But there is still some slight hope. But, you know, more so than these two games, which are sort of microcosms of the Mavericks' uh, woes since the Kyrie trade at large with the defensive issues that persisted and the clutch time issues that persisted. But, but more so than just these last two games, the Mavericks are in a really – just sticky situation as an organization. There's tons of rumors flying around after these last two losses. I mean, the, the national media attention uh, is definitely peaked uh, probably uh, since the Kyrie trade. I mean, there haven't been many times that the Mavericks have came under fire for anything bad uh, since really the Brunson tr- um, deal, I guess, uh, if we're comparing things at this point. And it, it's just a weird situation and it, it's easy to feel uneasy as a fan and we just don't exactly know what the potential or direction of this franchise is but you know there's obviously the whole tank agenda with them wanting to you know most fans wanting to push to keep the top 10 pick and the Mavericks can fall under that sphere of the bottom top 10 least records in the league if that made any sense Um, but there's just a lot of competing narratives and things to get into that's getting covered at large just besides the on-court product of these two games but we'll be wrapping all of it up on this podcast. But before we do that, of course, here's an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters. All right, Jaron. So getting into this one first, if we're going to talk about both of these games respectively, they're both games in which the Mavericks still have this um, sort of monotonous first quarter start where the defense is really lackadaisical and they're essentially just conceding these blow buys to everybody at a moment's notice. And we saw that in both of the Atlanta and the Miami games. There are certain tidbits from these games that are uh, quite different. And there's uh, some competing uh, different things that happen in both of these games that we'll get into. But these are things that are not too dissimilar at all. Uh, What did you think of the Mavericks uh, continuation in terms of their their slow starts and their I mean, honestly, I think that the defense, how atrocious the defense is. Uh, it, it peaks in those first quarters. Uh, what what do we see from the Mavericks that's inhibiting them so bad in those first quarters? Yeah, I mean, like, 
Conversely, it just starts from up top. Uh, the perimeter defense clearly is not there. It is allowing so many guys to blow by. Uh, in the Hawks game, I can, you know, count, you know, there, there is not enough fingers to count how many times DeJounte Murray got it inside easy paint pull-up jumper. I mean, but uh, we even need a to preface here, Jaron. Need a preface here. It's not It's not just star, you know, ball handlers and, you know. Oh, it's, it's Gabe Vincent. It's well. I mean, he's a good ball handler. But we we no. We, I'm not saying that, we're we we are at the 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 edges right here in terms of who we're asking them to guard on single dribble blowbys. Okay, in the Heat game, I distinctly remember when. Let's see who it was. I'm bluffing really hard right now. It wasn't Max <laughs> Drews? Oh, Caleb Martin beat Luca off of a, oh. a, like multiple single dribble blowbys. Caleb Martin, and those are the type of things that we've seen this defense suffer so badly from where, I mean, we always talk about the just stark one dimensionality of this Mavericks team in, in comparison to other teams. But I mean, other teams are not, you know, unless we're talking about like the Celtics or the Bucks or just some of these upper echelon type teams that can really throw the kitchen sink at you in terms of lineups. Not every other team just has the most plethora of abundance of guys to be able to throw at you that, are all not one-dimensional and can do everything on the court at one time uh, in a triple threat position with the ball in their hand at the wing. Yet the Mavericks would let really anybody with a basketball who's an NBA player be able to dribble past their defense. And, it, I mean, it starts with, you know, the guys in that starting lineup in particular who are netting the most minutes with Luca, Red, uh, Reggie, Josh. I mean, there's it's just uh, it's saloon door central out here. No, I mean, it really is Slindor Central. Um, I mean, there was multiple times where Sadiq Bey, who's, you know, not known as a amazing, you know, or at least quick dribbler, like he can't get to one space really quickly. Uh, He was able to beat, you know, Luca. uh, I want to say even Reggie off a few closeouts, just easy, you know, just one dribble pull up sort of jumpers or just get to the hoop. I I think he had one nice blow by dunk uh, on Luca. And it was just like, I mean, it's embarrassing in the sense that I, I feel like if you put an ounce of effort in, or at least, you know, play the baseline to, you know, or, or square your hips to the baseline, like it shouldn't be that difficult. Um, or just square your hips to the man in general. I mean, like, well, yeah, if just you keep look at Mavericks yeah. defenders, they look like they're like bent sideways all the time. Like they're, yeah, it's, it's, it's a quite literally a saloon door whenever, you know, Tim Hardaway, especially. Uh, or Tim's, you know, picked it up, but especially Luca, um, you know, I don't think he's dealing with any more injuries. Like he, you know, he was laboring at times in that Hawks game, but outside of that, I, I really don't think there's an excuse for that, but yeah, I mean, conversely, as I was saying with the star power, you know, DeJounte Murray, there was, uh, I mean, probably 15, 20 times where he's able to get an easy inside penetration and, you know, he's either able to dump it off in the dunker spot uh, I mean, we saw that multiple times, especially with Trey Young, uh, that lob threat that he's able to produce. Like, there's just so many problems that uh, I guess collapses defense from the perimeter to even you know rim protection. Of course, like there's really not even a bright spot on this defense. Like, yes, you have your solo. You say guys, that we're at a point where it's unfixable. It, no, it it. it I mean, that's sad to say, but it literally is unfixable. Like, yes, you know, like I said, you have your guys, you have Josh, you have Reggie. I mean, who else do you have? Maxi? Uh, is there any sort hard. of lineup combination? Because this has been a made a big deal, right? 
we always talk about Jason Kidd's rotations and, you know, him not fulfilling what we want in that department. But, I mean, if we're going to credit him in any sort of aspect, do you think that the Mavericks have found an optimal lineup in any of the lineups that we've played? Even when, you know, we would probably want a lineup, you know, say with Christian Wood or Maxi to get more minutes together. Have any, have any of the Mavericks lineups that they played performed so optimally on both sides of the ball that it's irrefutable to keep playing them for more than six minutes in one game. I don't believe that there is like, <laughs> I, you know, I, I look at that Christian Wood JaVale McGee lineup that we saw at the end of the Hawks game. And that was an amazing, you know, effort that they put on at multiple times in that game. But I, I feel like if they put that on tomorrow night against the Kings, you know, it's going to be a totally different side of the script. Like I, I just don't think that there's a, any single lineup. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even if you put all of your, yeah, yeah. I mean, even if you throw all of your best defensive players out there, Frank, Josh, Reggie, uh, Maxi, JaVale, like if you throw those guys out there, I still don't think there's a competition or there's a competitive nature enough to make a dent on the defensive yeah. side of. Like, I mean, they, they just see. seem so disconnected to uh, defensively as well. Um, guys, yeah. you know, the, you can even see when they're switching off ball or they're scram switching, guys just are picking up on things later. Um, they're not connected through and through you know guys don't bump off guys on time there's constantly uh, bantering after the play because one guy missed a switch like it's not you know as much as we want to knock the personnel of this team and you know them not having the defensive prowess of other teams a lot of this is just conducive to effort and communication at the end of the day If, if that could just improve marginally maybe they would at least be 20th best in the NBA versus like damn near dead last every game. Yeah. I mean, I feel like over this last two week stretch, I wouldn't be surprised if our uh, defensive percentage for the season just took a complete nosedive, um, especially in that heat game. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like everybody pretty, pretty much feels similar in the sense that I, I just don't think at any point in that game, was there any effort? Like I, I think they made one push at the beginning of the fourth and outside of that, um, I, I just really don't feel like there was any effort on the defensive side of things uh, to put, you know, Miami in a stranglehold to, you know, maybe cause a turnover or anything. Like, I, I will admit, at least in that Hawks game, you know, they looked like a desperate team at multiple points in that game. Yeah, they never looked good defensively, but they did look desperate. Yeah, they looked desperate, yeah. And the I rebounding, I thought, uh, started to mend itself a little bit. Yeah, in the, uh... it, it, well, not tail off, but. Yeah, it started. Yeah, there you go. It started to mend itself. Yeah, but you know, comparable to the Miami game where it just looked like uh, we don't even want to be here right now. You know, yeah. so I mean, there was definitely a difference from that perspective. But I, I there was think, only one guy in Miami that wanted to play. Yeah, but I mean, that just goes to show how broken the defense is. It's like even when the team is spirit spirited and you know, there's this invigoration of uh, a desire to win, they they still can't put it together defensively, even when they're. Uh, making shots at the other end because they've just had so much inconsistency on that end that they don't even know what a good defense looks like. They they can't even relate to when that last occurred. I mean, we're we're talking pre-Kyrie trade days, like Jurassic, um, you know, ar- archaic periods here. So yeah, these it are- just kind of is what it is, and it's the cards that the Mavericks have dealt us. But otherwise, uh, what impressed you? From that, uh, I guess that's not the, particularly the right word since more things unimpressed you than impressed you. But what did you take away from that Heat game? Obviously, the Mavericks got off to that slow start. And uh, contrary to the Hawks game, they there was never really a point in the game where you felt 
as if they were on the horizon to come back. They, they seemed very, they just seemed content with everything that was happening essentially. And they played out the rest of that heat game uh, with a very little to no desire, at least from a third person perspective of, of a team that was pining for a play in spot or anything of that nature. So uh, what did you think of the defensive effort in that game? I know the Mavericks kind of made the, the score look a little bit better at the end there, uh, but uh, they really lost by, you know, double digits. And they they had these like little pseudo, you know, comeback attempts in the fourth quarter that were kind of just making the score look better, essentially. So what did you take away from the game uh, holistically? Yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, from a defensive perspective, I don't think there's anything new. To me, at times, this was the one game I feel like you can circle uh, that, you know, if you're wanting to point out the season being over, this is probably the one game you look at. Like, at least in the Hawks game, like we said, you know, there were some desperate uh, some desperate attempts in that game, or at least, you know, moments. But in this Miami Heat game, I didn't feel like there was any attempt uh, to, you know, try and get back in it. Uh, that team, honestly, they just looked defeated throughout it. But I think if you're going to take some positives away, the offense looked really good. You know, Luca, of course, had his usual um, 42 point for performance on a super efficient scoring. Um, you know, just what he was. It was able like to do. one of the more like dispirited 42 point performances because yeah. it was like very quiet, <laughs> um, and, and it just kind of looked like he had the uh, he had kicked the tires to the curb essentially. Um, no, but, exactly. I mean, yes, he he did play good, and um, if I recall correctly. He did have a. He was two assists, two assists shy of the triple double. Two so. assists shy of the triple double. I was gonna yeah. say he had a good shooting game, but um, no, he, he didn't. I mean, he's seventeen to twenty five, but only two or six from three. Um, you know, he wasn't really stroking it beyond the arc as, like he did in the uh, Hawks game where he ended up finishing. Well, he shot a lot more threes in the Hawks game. He went three of twelve, but um, nonetheless, I mean, he was doing a really good job at um, penetrating in the yeah. Heat game. He was doing a really good job just probing, snaking the pick and roll as he usually does. And, you know, obviously without a true, you know, center and bam back there and the heat um, having to defer to those Cody Zeller and um, who absolutely toasted the Mavericks, by the way, those Cody Zeller and the um, Kevin Love lineups as the primary big men. Um, it, it was honestly like, fairly surprising that the Mavericks really couldn't get anything going towards the rim barring, you know, Luca being able to bounce off a Gortat screen at the last second or just use his, you know, offensive prowess to be able to throw up a floater from like 10 feet away and it go in and him get an and one. Like there were the pick and roll action uh, was vacant uh, in a game where you thought that, you know, I hate to phrase it like this, but could potentially be like a Dwight Powell takeover game with Luca in the pick and roll. Um, He was, essentially nowhere to be found. So, I mean, barring just that, you know, Luca being the essentially the just offensive spearhead in that one, they were trapping him and Kyrie at the point of attack. Luca was doing a really good job. I thought both of them did a good, really good job about yeah. uh, kicking the ball out in those four on three scenarios. I, I, a lot of Mavericks fans gave Kyrie flack after the game because he wasn't aggressive enough. And I mean, I did think he overpassed at times, but he was also kind of giving what the defense, um, taking what the defense gave him. And I, I do just think that there were not another uh, – the one-dimensionality of this team was also on display, even though they scored a lot. Like, there just weren't a lot of other guys outside of those two to, you know, step in and make plays. I mean, there was Tim Hardaway Jr. who had a really hot shooting night, but um, he – I mean, he was just pulling up. There were – it wasn't like there, – there was 
essentially no other, you know, offensive creation at two levels um, from a playmaking as well as a shot creation aspect uh, from the Mavericks in that game. Um, to my recollection, barring just really Luca and the occasional Kyrie possessions. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, like this team, I'm going on a, a big scale here, but like this team reminds me of the 2021 season in the sense that, you know, you have to outscore opponents to win games. Uh, but like, especially in this game, like the defense was just so bad that no matter how many points you score uh, or, you know, no matter what efficiency you shoot, you know, you're not going to win the game. Like the Mavericks were, I, I believe, the second team in um, this NBA season to shoot over 60% from the field as a whole and still lose. Uh, and what's sad is they, you know, it was a seven-point game after or at the end of the game, but I, I don't know. It, it definitely didn't feel like a seven-point game. Like you mentioned before, it was definitely more of a 10 to 15-point margin. They were down by uh, like 14 at, uh, right before that in the fourth quarter, so. Yeah, exactly, so. Um, I, I will definitely say Tim Hardaway, you know, he had his usual Miami Vice game uh, where he was just lighting up the three-point line. Um, and he was really a benefactor, you know, of uh, just some his dad watching and yeah, his dad's yeah, exactly. jersey being in the rafters. <laughs> he he also had, like, family. I think he had multiple uh, family yeah. members. In it, so, um, you know, he had to show up for that. But, yeah, just, you know, the benefactor of usual Tim Hardaway plays set up for him, uh, either curl-offs or – you know, just getting a down screen and able to get the passers and then the Mavericks yeah. rescreening for, yeah, like, I mean, curl off. The usual Tim Hardaway. You know. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he yeah. looked yeah. really good. So, I, I will definitely say that. Yeah, I mean, I, I apologize for our continued uh, use of vernacular here because it's just reached a stage in the state, in the season where, I mean, there's just not much different that we can really – we, we know this team's in and outs, you know, so good at this point. And – Unfortunately, um, those ins and outs have been more bad than good recently, and it's just very repetitive in nature. But otherwise, I mean, if you would like to talk about any specific players that you liked in the Heat game, then we can get to that. Uh, or if you wanted to move on to the Hawks game, whatever floats your boat here. I know the Mavericks, they, they played a lot more starter-heavy minutes in that Heat game. Tim yeah. getting 41, Kyrie 43, Luka 45. Um, and they, they scarcely played the bench, which was a pretty huge, um, you know, point of contention in the uh, Hawks game where the Mavericks, you know, played their bench almost into the ground at times uh, with Josh yeah, Green talking 40 minutes, 40 minutes off, the, off, the, off the bench, you know, uh, Christian Wood getting 30 minutes off the bench. So, I mean, there was obviously adjustments that needed to be made. And I mean, I, I do think Jason Kidd's adjustments did improve marginally within that Hawks game, but at the same time, and I've said this time in time out again, uh, the adjustments that Jason Kidd can make at this stage in the season are not going to mend this team's deep inherent um, and inept defensive flaws. Uh, it's just gotten to a point where they are just like truly so inept on, you know, some of these possessions and it, it almost, looks as if you're watching like a college basketball roster out there trying to defend NBA players. I mean, I, I really don't know an accurate descriptor to really uh, summarize how bad it is at times. Yeah, it's, it's awful. I don't know. Like this is, I feel like in recent memory, like, you know, even in the Rick Carlisle days, days where, you know, offense or uh, defense, you know, wasn't really harped upon, like at least team defense was, you know, it was. I mean, even last year, of course, that was, that was the hallmark of that, 2022 
Or no, 2021-2022 Dallas Mavericks team was their team. Yeah, it was communication and defense. And there's just – I mean, this is the total not, – Not just individual defense, but the interconnectedness and the switching and everything. It just everything's off. And, I mean, I we'll get into it, I'm sure, more as the season ends and we get more details and things. But, I mean, do you, do you have a reason as to why it's this bad? Because, I mean, I, I can obviously see it being bad, but should it be this bad in your opinion, Jaron? Uh, there's there's no excuse for it to be this bad, especially whenever, you know, quote for quote, you know, you're under a, a defensive guru, uh, which is Jason Kidd. No, but that's, yes, I understand that's a term that'll be used. Well, for, I, I, I don't know a lot this offseason, won't it? Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like individually, like yes, you know, you don't have the, the a good personnel, like you know, from an individual perspective, like who's your best defender? Probably Maxi and Reggie. I mean, like, I, at the I, same no. time, though, it's like I don't think it's like the worst in the NBA bad. No, it's no. I mean, like you can name uh, like there's rosters out there who are better than the Mavericks who probably have worse defender or like worse, you know. No, and there's to, teams out there that are worse than the Mavericks that have worse defenders. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, of course, yeah. Conversely, I, I don't know. Like this, this team's just so lost on the defensive perspective. Like, there's really no help. Um, there, there's zero hope. Like, this is um, full. Yeah, uh, Anakin Skywalker turned to the dark side. There's no hope left. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, that's so. why I'm like, that's why I'm trying to say that there's there's no sort of lineup combination that can mend their issues because all these all these teams' issues are deeply rooted in their defense, right? And you know that's why I stopped getting mad at Jason Kidd's incompetence in terms of lineups yeah. because yes, it would marginally affect the game probably favorably if he did certain different things. Right. And I, I, and by no means am I saying I'm smarter than an NBA coach, Jason Kidd could outcoach me any day of the week. I would probably F up and make stupid rotations all game. Okay. But I mean, there in terms of analyzing this from a perspective of just X player needs to play X more minutes, you know, I, as fans, we can, you know, still do that, you know, lineup combinations and all the other intricacies of that, you know, aside, we can still at least diagnose, you know, certain things, at least if you watch an on-court product all season and, you know, like in the Christian Wood case, like, yeah, I mean, certain games he plays, you know, better than others. It's just a real like sketch situation, but, you know, and he's, but he's not helping the defense in any sort of fashion. So I, I just don't care to get mad, even if he would help the offense marginally and things would click a little bit better in certain games and certain matchups. You know, I, I, I would probably agree with you from that standpoint, but I just got to a stage where I know nothing's going to change. So, yeah, it's just like you don't care, like, what's going to happen. Uh, it, it's a failed experiment. I mean, it's something that we'll definitely dive into when we're doing these player reviews as the season wraps up. And we got to take a step back and really look at the deeply, you know, enrooted, inherited problems here. But, you know, if, if we're microanalyzing it right now when we still have these games to watch and, I mean, it's just – counterintuitive because nothing's going to change yeah i mean it's it's sad to say that but uh, like there there really is no lineup um there you know i don't i don't even think that there's a player uh like uh, you know you can add in the lineup whether it be frank or anything like that like there's just nothing that you can do to mend this problem uh i mean it starts with you know up top between front office and everything like they they you know, I don't think that they did their best job, of course, conversing this or making this lineup. Uh, but still, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. And this team just simply hasn't gotten it done. And for that reason, you know, they only have three games left and they're going to finish 500 or under 500 for the yeah. first time since 2018, I believe. Yeah. 
So I, you know, I know we typically take a look at what like the Mavericks did well in almost every game. And, you know, we like look player for player for player at everybody in this heat game. It was just such a total abomination that, I mean, I, I kind of, we talked about how Tim Hardaway Jr. performed offensively. We talked about, you know, Luca's masterclass, but outside of that, I mean, it was just zeros across the board. So instead of talking about any of the Mavericks that, you know, I mean, yeah, Jaden Hardy, he played okay, but he only played like six minutes. He didn't get a whole lot of run. Justin Hall didn't get a lot of run. Christian Wood didn't get too much run. Uh, Maxi, he knocked down a few shots. He honestly did like halfway decent. Um, knocked down a couple threes, but I mean, he still, you know, looks a step behind on defense or at large stretches was getting absolutely, you know, manhandled by Kevin Love, as was every other Maverick big in the game, uh, as well as Cody Zeller. So instead of talking about the Mavericks, I want us to talk about the Heat and how they fared in that game. Who impressed you from their from their perspective? Because I, I, outside of Luca and Tim Hardaway Jr. and Kyrie at moments, I mean, no other Maverick was in double figures and they just looked, you know, even offensively at times, they just kind of looked like non-contributors. And so I wanted to look at what the Heat did well. Uh, who, who are you impressed by in those games, Jaren? I mean, like, you know, I, I would say Max Drews just from the sense that, you know, like he's a movement shooter, uh, but he did exactly his job. So, I, I mean, I think the person who impressed me the most probably was Cody Zeller that, you know, in a team like the Mavericks who you can absolutely expose down low. He did exactly that. Um, I mean, he had a season high 20 points against the Mavs. Wait, what were you saying? I was just saying this is a funny segment. This is something that we need to clear. Yeah, this is this is new. This is new. We haven't done this before. But, yeah, I mean, Cody Zeller, I, I'd put him up there. Uh, off the bench, of course, Kevin Love. Like, I, I think, you know, he's probably the guy that sticks out to me the most. Uh, I don't know what he reached in terms of going back into the prime bank, but uh, he reached a little bit of effort and reached a little bit of, uh, like I said, juice um, to school the Mavericks for 18 points. I want to – he was some crazy efficient. Five of nine, two for five th- from the um, three-point line. And had five uh, five rebounds to add to that, you know, just an uber Kevin Love type game where he was able to school a lot of the Mavericks down low uh, in the paint. And I mean, at times, I you know, he was getting every role that it was just like, okay, you, you know, just let him have it, and then you know, go score something on offense to at least mend it. But yeah, I, I'd say me personally, I was most impressed with Kevin Love just because uh, I forget yeah. how old he is. He's like thirty seven or something. I but. mean, yeah, I still have like the wherewithal to be able to you know, go up for all those rebounds and uh, continue to battle inside, you know, even against younger, you know, NBA um, players that the Mavericks have, even if they can't rebound, if their life depended on it. I mean, it was that, that much was impressive. Um, You know, really everybody in their rotation. um, I I didn't even realize that Kyle Lowry had been relegated to this bench role for so long, but I mean, he, he actually looked halfway decent off of it. I mean, he came in and I thought provide some, you know, despite having a rough shooting night, I thought he came in and provided a sort of stabilization to their offense uh, from a ball moving perspective and uh, just, you know, furbishing some offense that they don't really get with their uh, starting lineup. They just don't have that pop necessarily, especially with Bam out. But I mean, I don't know. They would, they would have absolutely demolished us without Bam, but I mean, hero had a rough game too. I mean, you can attribute a lot of factors, but and the Mavericks got absolutely worked down low and, they try, I mean, they try sending two at Butler, but most of the time it'd be too late. And he was just able to essentially get past everybody at his own disposal and then, you know, make little wraparound passes to Kevin Love and Cody Zeller in the dunker spot or, you know, baseline. I mean, it, the defensive effort was just all encompassing 
really bad. And that's, that's really the only summation I have of that game. And uh, yeah. otherwise, I guess we can move on to the, uh, the Hawks game. So, yeah, um, speaking of those Hawks games, what exactly did the Mavericks do differently compared to the Heat games that put them in a position to actually have a, at least potential to win the, uh, the game there at the end in OT and in regulation? Yeah, I mean, you know, as we denoted earlier in the podcast, like the, the team actually did play with some desperate uh, tendencies. Like, you know, <clears throat> in that Miami game, that team pretty much looked defeated from buzzer to buzzer. But uh, throughout the Hawks game, you could definitely tell that there were spurts of desperation, especially on the defensive end. Um, I, th- I feel like there was like the final six minutes of the third quarter. Um, granted, it was horrible shot taking uh, by the Atlanta Hawks, but even still, like there was multiple 24 second violations, um, uh, multiple bad turnovers from Hawks. So I, I think that just a desperate sense on the defense side of things was really the only difference that we saw. Um, offensively, I felt like we saw JaVale McGee included a little more. And of course, Christian Wood in that lineup that we saw in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, I mean, that definitely changed some things up, but still, you know, it didn't do much for the total outcome. But, I, you know, we did give ourselves a chance whenever I felt like, you know, if if Atlanta really put the pedal to the metal, I feel like they could have closed out the Mavericks in a quicker sense. But I would say the desperate in the third quarter, um, and especially throughout the end, the, the waning ends of that fourth quarter definitely kept the Mavericks in it. Yeah, I know. I would definitely agree with you there. The Mavericks fought tooth and nail to try and, uh, try and stay in this game, especially throughout large stretches in the second half. Uh, the ways that they were using Kyrie Irving within the offense in this one where he had 41 points uh, were really the hallmark of how they were able to stay in this game. Um, they were just running off him running him off a lot of pin downs so he could basically operate from one uh, mid-range wing to the other um, from nail to nail. Uh, they were also just running and getting out in transition a little bit more. Josh Green was a benefactor of that. He had a few steals where he jumped the passing lane and was able to get out in transition and up the ante for the Mavericks. Uh, Jaden Hardy didn't clock a whole lot of minutes, but uh, the general feel of the pace was definitely up. Obviously, JaVale McGee and Christian Wood in that two-man lineup uh, ended up at least serving well offensively uh, with the Mavericks being able to, you know, match Okongwu sort of size for size with McGee and his presence down there. Uh, JaVale and Christian Wood combined for 17 rebounds. So that at least seems, seemed as if it was solved for a brief moment there. But, you know, JaVale's presence overall, I think, was definitely felt a little bit more so. But I think the Hawks were still manipulate, were able to manipulate their way and get into the paint regardless once they were able to, you know, feel him out and see that he wasn't as big of a threat. Uh, you know, so that, I don't know, I, I thought that Christian Wood, JaVale, two-man tandem played, you know, fairly okay defensively, but we've also seen so many lapses from them this season that it's not healthy for us to assume that this is going to be a reliable two-man lineup game to game, but they played uh, fairly well in terms of both sides of the ball in this game, and that definitely facilitated the Mavericks getting back into this one within the second half. And um, Christian Wood's offense, you know, he drained two threes, uh, was getting into the flow of his stuff, especially there in the fourth quarter. Um, he was able to close the game, played well enough in Jason, Jason, Kid, Jason Kidd's eyes to do so. And we obviously saw with that, final little stretch with the where the Mavericks 
were able to subsequently force the game to go to overtime, but it was also a little weird. Christian Wood was involved in that. Jerome McGee was involved in that. So I wanted to go over that briefly. Um, Jaron, if you don't mind just highlighting how the Mavericks were able to get into overtime in that chaotic stretch there, which is a few seconds left um, versus the Atlanta Hawks the other night. Yeah, I mean, you know, benefactors of – well, not really benefactors. I feel like had we made some uh, free throws down the waning minutes of the fourth quarter, probably could have been a different story. We may have won the game, in fact. But, um, yeah, I mean, Christian Wood had – I believe it was like 1.5 on the clock, got fouled, made went one of two from the line to cut it to a one-point lead. Um, it, it, it may have been like 1.2 or something. And then, um, you know, JaVale McGee goes up to grab the board – uh, grabs the rebound, in fact, and Clint Capella grabs his forearm or his wrist, uh, and that, and so, in doing so, was called a foul with 0.4 seconds left, and Javale misses the first, so all he has left to do, or all he can do, is tie the game, and that's exactly what happens: is they tie the game, um, and you know they go to overtime, and of course, in overtime, we saw what happens. Um, you know, I, I don't think it was anything out of the norm, like both teams were just kind of playing desperate at that point. So I, I don't think it was, um, you know, we still saw, uh, what was it? We still saw the Christian Wood and JaVale McGee lineup um, playing in effect on offense. I thought like they played pretty uh, played in effect. Like they played decently in that overtime period, but offensively it was kind of a scatter all over the place. Um, yeah. You know, I, I feel like free throw shooting, if you're wanting to denote anything to this loss, it'd probably be that. And of course defense for obvious reasons, but um, you know, multiple chances for the Mavs to win this one and couldn't do it, of course. But I, I think in and force over an overtime period where you know I, I don't think this team really had any business being in this game outside of the third quarter and you know waning minute, waning moments of the fourth. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, obviously the defensive issues are well documented, um, but that they. This is one of the rare occasions where the Mavericks were able to keep up so well offensively and their offensive lineups had such a good output production-wise just with the way that Kyrie and Luka were playing and the way that everybody else sort of went in sync with that, that they were able to uh, sort of remediate uh, some of these runs by the Hawks and really weather the storm until, you know, they get to the game and they give themselves a chance. I mean, if we look at a lot of the diet of these Mavericks losses this year, they routinely never really get blown out um it's particularly just um having trouble closing out games down the stretch or you know trying to use your offense only to be able to you know stay in a shootout or something like that it's typically never just a you know terrible offensive and defensive game on both sides to where they're getting blown out it's usually uh just a terrible defensive game more often than not um, but, you know, like I said, Kyrie Irving within that fourth quarter and that overtime period really um, spearheaded the Mavericks attack and he helped them stay in that game. And uh, I mean, just with his ability to get to the rim and, um, you know, stop on a dime, you know, use a little fake hesitation pulling up from the mid range area. That was huge, and the Mavericks really rode their stars down the stretch. You could tell that they really wanted this one. They really wanted to pull this out. They were going with the lineups that worked, and it unfortunately uh, just wasn't able to come into fruition. You know, Luca had a little bit um, of an off-shooting night, 
uh, as Jaron alluded to earlier in the podcast, you could tell that he was a little bit hampered by maybe something, but nonetheless, um, it still wasn't idealistic in a game like this. And, you know, he went three for 12 from three, just wasn't really able to hit from that perspective. Uh, the Mavericks weren't benefiting from the same look that Tim Hardaway Jr. had in his Miami Vice game. Um, you know, Dwight Powell played okay, but he was getting eight alive on the glass by the Collins Okongwu tandem. Reggie Bullock, you know, he played decent, decent, but the Mavericks issues in terms of their perimeter defense still persisted. It seemed like anybody that was six, eight or under could get to the rim at their disposal on the Hawks, whether that be, you know, Jalen Johnson, AJ Griffin, DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, Sadiq Bey, all those guys just seamlessly sort of were able to uh, sort of tread their way um, happily into the paint. Um, whether, you know, they're just single dribble blow by or actually like using a pick and roll to facilitate that. But I mean, it, it was just pretty poor from that perspective. Um, but, you know, the Mavericks were able to up the ante in terms of pace, you know, particularly with an off night from Luca, once they really deferred to that lineup of uh, Luca, Kyrie, Josh Green, JaVale and Christian Wood that they rode down the stretch. And I mean, in a game like this, you know, I know Javel really doesn't play all too often, but obviously his, you know, his impact on the game on both sides of the ball from a rebounding perspective and just being a bigger body in the paint really helped the Mavericks stay in this game. Um, but unfortunately, obviously, it just wasn't enough and they weren't able to find the right combination in this game, at least in particular, fast enough. And the defensive issues just were able to um, – negate um, an otherwise pretty good offensive game from the Mavericks, one in which, you know, they, yes, suffered some clutch time woes, but they they did seem as if they were up to the challenge, at least offensively, to save their season. It, I mean, I say that verbatim, but um, more so speaking figuratively, because, I mean, who knows how the last few games would have went, but they definitely could have uh, put themselves in a better position with a few games left to at least be talking about a play-in spot here, but now they're a half game back with three games left uh, with OKC holding the tiebreaker from the 10th spot in the Western Conference playoff race. Um, so that's just a whole other animal in itself. Uh, I just wanted to see if you had any opinions about what the Mavericks should do over this little final stretch here of the season. Yeah, in my eyes, like as long as there's a mathematical a, a sort of way that this team can make uh, the playoffs, I, I think that you have to at least try for that. I know Luca alluded to that. And of course, Kyrie, I'm sure he agrees with it. So, uh, you know, in my eyes for this team, I think if you if you can make the playoffs, if there's any chance or percentage, whatever it is, um, to give your team a chance at the playoffs or the play-in, I should say, um, you know, you strive for that. Right now, of course, with Oklahoma pretty much leaving the door wide open, uh, I believe that they lost three straight. And the way that they lost to Golden State last night uh, definitely gives you a, a tiny bit of hope, um, it, you know, especially if they can win tonight. But, uh, you know, this is a, you know, pretty much season defining win right here um coming up so i i think uh if win or lose kind of determines what you do with this team you know of course if you win you want to continue uh playing those two guys and luke and Kyrie. but if you lose you know you probably have to ask the question whether or not shutting down should be the smart thing because after all i mean you know at that point it's damn near impossible to make the playoffs and you know if you get the 11th pick you know we we give that pick to new york but if you have the 10th that's of course our pick so i think that's a very uh important water to tread of course so I, I believe yeah as long as there's a mathematical 
situation that the Mavericks can make the playoffs, you you probably strive for that. So I, I think definitely tonight you will probably see Luke and Kyrie. I think that they were listed as probable both with right foot soreness or right hamstring uh, tightness or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that we'll see those two guys tonight. But if there is in some situation the Mavericks do lose to the Sacramento Kings, um, I, I think that that front office has to ask, ask some questions on whether or not you should shut down those two guys. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail right on the head there with that point that you made from what the Mavericks front office is going to do and what the Mavericks brass and coaching staff is going to do in this situation. But as fans, I do think that it's not unhealthy for us to, you know, pine for tanking or try to come to expect that from this team, right? I mean, we're in such a debilitating position where we know at this point this team's not going to do anything more than a first-round exit at best, even if they do get into the playoffs by virtue of winning two playing games, which seems even high, highly unlikely at this point. And obviously the positives just vastly outweigh the negatives from the perspective of tanking and keeping the pick. But that being said, you know, this is still a sort of managerial thing where you have to manage certain personalities with Kyrie and Luca. And I mean, they're, you know, I don't know about Kyrie specifically, but Luca, you know, given how young he is probably not as, keen or understanding to the idea of tanking is maybe a Kyrie is who is able to project and see in that long-term outlook a little bit more. And, you know, Luca came out with those post-game or post-practice comments yesterday where he referenced that, you know, as long as there's there's a chance he's going to keep playing. And I think that that's the agenda, as you alluded to, that the Mavericks are going to operate under now, you know, whether that's the smartest decision or what, I mean, you know, it also comes down, like I said, to just managing personalities as well as doing what's best for your organization. So I can't like completely fault them if they think that this is the best course of action to do uh, given, you know, Luca's prerogative and things of that nature. But, you know, if there's any way that they could entice tanking or they could facilitate it and him still be okay with it, then they should definitely be doing it in my opinion, just given the the nature of their situation, but it'll be interesting. They play the Kings um, tonight at seven 30 and then they play the Bulls on Friday, and then the Spurs are the last game of the season on Sunday. And the most applicable scenarios to make the play-in at this point are essentially if the Mavericks win out and OKC loses out, or OKC can go, um, OKC could lose out their last two games, and the Mavericks could go two and one. That would also give the Mavericks the play-in uh, spot in that ten seed. But the Mavericks do have the tie or don't have the tiebreaker with OKC, so. In any scenario that they are tied, um, it would be Oklahoma City that ends up getting that spot. But otherwise, the Mavericks obviously are still just in a really rough position down there as the 11th seed, especially with a Thunder team that has been almost trying to lose at points these last couple of weeks. Um, it it is, makes you just ever more um, hot as a fan and eager for the Mavericks to just lose out the rest of the year. But I mean, these guys still do have certain goals within their mind. I mean, they are competitors at the end of the day, um, you know, despite being consummate professionals, they still have a desire to win. And if there's a chance, you know, this is their livelihood. This is what they're going to do at, despite whatever agendas we may want to push. So, you know, hopefully we can push the whole tanking with shame agenda where we, just keep losing uh, just by happenstance, just by our defense being so bad, but not actively trying to. Um, but otherwise, we'll, we'll kind of just see what happens over this next little stretch here. I think after this Kings game, we'll see a more clear direction from the Mavericks because if they win that, 
they'll be tied with the Thunder, and then, you know, the talks will really heat up in terms of trying to make a play-in spot. But if they lose that game, then, you know, at that point, you're um, a game back with two uh, two games left each between the Thunder and the Mavs, and the Thunder holding the tiebreaker just seems highly unlikely at that point. Uh, But we'll see how everything evolves over the next week or so. And obviously, I think I hope, you know, as you guys do, you know, as we do, the Mavericks do keep their pick. But at the same time, we do want to manage those star personalities and make sure that they are not, you know, there's not a conflicting point of interest there. Um, but, you know, it's it's debatable to say whether that would actually be the case. But, you know, you would rather just remove that sort of discourse entirely if, if it's at all possible. Um, but it's just a terrible situation to be in. And obviously, we know the reasons as we've covered over the last however many podcasts why the Mavericks are here. And it's just sort of the nature of the situation. We're going to have to deal with it. I say it like every podcast, but it just kind of is what it is. Um, but nonetheless, the, this game versus the King should at least give us some sort of agenda, at least give us something to take away that um, is more so season defining than the rest of these games, uh, just mathematically speaking. But yeah, hopefully we'll either be overtly positive or overtly negative, or at least have a clear direction on the on tonight's podcast versus today. But just wanted to cover these two losses um, versus the Hawks and the Heat, of course, and how debilitating they were towards the Mavericks' hopes of this season. And you know, even if the Mavericks still have a mathematical chance, these two losses definitely put the nail in the coffin in terms of any hope that I had remaining for this season uh, from a reconciliation standpoint for the Mavericks. Uh, being able to make anything out of this, you know, even positive if they got to the first round and were able to win a couple games like that. I don't even have those hopes persisting anymore. It's just, you know, it's relegated to me just wanting them to get the best draft outcome at this point um, from a fan perspective, even, you know, if I can understand why they wouldn't do that um, at first glance, if, you know, the opportunity presents itself to make the play in, but it's just a sucky situation, but hopefully we have more clear answers tonight versus the Kings. And we'll be back for that podcast tonight after that game. Um, We appreciate you guys. If you listen this far on the podcast, make sure to subscribe, like, and comment. If you're listening on YouTube, shout out to the YouTube gang comment. Do you think the Mavericks will make the play in point blank? Um, Otherwise, if you guys are listening on podcasts, Apple podcasts or Apple or Spotify, make sure to follow us and give us a five-star rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. It means a lot. If you've listened this far on the podcast, really do appreciate your support. You guys give us a review on what any sort of micro critiques you may have or what you do like. We would really appreciate that. Um, And lastly, if you could just go ahead and follow us um, on Twitter at mainstream underscore Mavs, you can find our personal Twitters as well at Will Milje and at Jaron Mavericks, uh, where we kind of keep you guys posted on all things with our podcast and all things with the Mavericks. Um, Shout out to the cliche um, sort of thing that that just made me pop up in my mind, but all things Mavs on Twitter, even though he's the, the real all things guy, we still, uh, we'll give you all the things as well. Just not have it in our title, but otherwise we will catch you guys tonight after the Kings game. Like I said, I appreciate you listening this far in the podcast, mainstream Mavs signing out.